Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that you would speak in ways that we can hear you. Give us grace to lay aside the things that are weighing on us and distracting us so that we can sit at your feet and learn from your word. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. All right. So we are in our our second week of the sermon series, How to Pray Like Jesus. And last week, what we looked at was the things that really formed Jesus' prayer life, the the things he would have inherited for being a, a Jewish person growing up in a Jewish family. We looked at how he would have prayed the Psalms regularly, memorizing them, how he would have prayed the Amida three times a day along with reciting the story of God's salvation in the Shema. These things shaped and formed Jesus. And today we're looking at another thing that that really characterized Jesus' prayer life, and that was his use of solitude. Now, I've had a lot of conversations in the past year with people and I found that there's two main camps of people that, that we're falling into. First, there's those people who are feeling so isolated and alone that to even think about solitude is like torture. Like, why would you inflict that on me, right? The other group of people, which I would probably more identify with, are those who have such severe cabin fever, where people are in your space and in your face so often that solitary confinement looks appealing. So there's good news to be had here. First, um, solitude is not strictly about being alone. Um, There's lots of people who are alone who never experience solitude. They experience loneliness. And for the people who think that solitude is something that's really impossible... Uh, Richard Foster, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, reminds us that solitude has more to do with the state of, of mind and heart than it does about location. Solitude is about taking time to put aside the distractions, put aside the agendas and everybody's expectations of us and our own need to perform and to simply be loved by God as his beloved child. Jesus did this all the time. Um, in, Matthew, in Luke 5.16, uh, it says that Jesus, it was his habit. It was his habit to go away to a lonely place and to pray to God. So if we want to learn how to pray like Jesus prayed, then we need to learn how to practice the discipline of solitude. So there, there's a lot of noise in our world. I don't think that's a surprise, right? We've got people talking at us. There's ads all the time. Um, and there's a lot of things, whether we're aware of it or not, that sort of raise our heart rate and our anxiety. And it's, it's all-consuming. The more we hurry through life, the harder it is for us to trust in God the more our lives are fueled by our need to perform and to produce, the less we are free to abide in God and to grow in our identity as his beloved children. So one of the things that can help counteract the noise and the hurry that's all around us and within us is to practice solitude. 
In Jesus, we have this example shown clearly in all the Gospels in numerous places. I just want to take a pause for a second. (laughs) Mary and Martha. So many Anglicans I know say they come to Martha's defense. Somebody's got to do the work, right? That's not the point of the story. The point of the story with Mary and Martha is that Martha was worried and distracted by many things. And Mary was focused on Jesus. The work did need to get done, but Martha could have done it in solitude, knowing that God was with her in the moment, not stressed out and worried and harried about everything, but trusting. Getting alone to a place, a deserted place where we can pray, helps us to grow in trust. And so, yes, the work needs to get done, but we need to do it in the presence and in step with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus took time for solitude um, in different, different areas. We can sort of link, loop them all together. And so we're going to look at when, looking at Jesus' example of when he practiced solitude, when are we to practice solitude? And the first area we see with Jesus practicing solitude is in preparation for a major event, right? Or a big decision. Before Jesus began his public ministry, what's the first thing he does? Forty days alone in the desert, practicing solitude, practicing trust. Uh, Before choosing the twelve disciples, Jesus spent the entire night in prayer. Um, And then this, before the Passion, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He just celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples, and he went in preparation for what was to come. So when we have a big decision to make, or when we have a big event coming up, it's very tempting for us to prepare and work and prepare and work and get everything ready, make sure we don't forget anything. We need to be careful not to neglect the, the stopping, the pausing, to be in the presence of God so that we can remember it's not all up to us, that God is going to provide. We need his perspective and his strength and his grace And we get that when we just take the time to be with him, just like Jesus did. Another time that Jesus practiced solitude was after a very busy event. I have a very bad habit that I'm going to share with you today. Everybody's ears itching? Okay, so (laughs) Um, St. John's Church has the most pleasant and the healthiest vestry of any church I've ever been in, anywhere. I actually don't dread it and get stomach pains the day before vestry at St. John's Church. However, after vestry, which is always at night, we should change that, I go home and my mind is doing just thinking about the conversation, about things I need to do, and da-da-da-da-da. And instead of taking time to say, rest in the Lord, I turn on YouTube and I watch stupid videos. Like, not edifying. Like, just really dumb things. And what do I, I try to turn my brain off. I try to numb myself. After an important event or a busy event, a much better thing to do would to say, God, here I am. I'm tired. I'm distracted. 
I've got all these things on my mind. Help me to give them to you. I bet I go to bed much sooner after vestry if I rested in the Lord and, and practiced solitude instead of numbing myself watching people get hit in the face with a baseball. Just to guess. So after, after big events, we are encouraged to just take time to refresh. This is what Jesus did. He prepared and he also he recovered after big, big events. There's another time where Jesus tended to practice solitude in the Bible. And that is when he was troubled or grieved. We read in morning prayer earlier this week that the crowds tried to make Jesus king by force. How tempting would that be? You mean I don't have to die? Whew, that'd be great. What did he do? He went off to a lonely place to pray. One, to escape them and their expectations, but also just to refresh his memory and what God was calling him to do. But there's this other time where he learns of John the Baptist's execution and Jesus goes off by himself. Very important to distinguish here between going off and practicing solitude with going off and isolating oneself from other people. When we isolate ourselves from other people, what happens is that we often get embittered, entitled, and everything is everybody else's problem. It's their fault. When we practice solitude, we come in vulnerability to the Father and we confess our pain and our confusion and our need for him. And what happens is that we end up being more sensitive to other people's needs. The crowds find Jesus after he was grieving for John and he's not angry or sullen. He was moved with compassion for them. That's the fruit of solitude at work in his life. It's possible that we can become so hurried and concerned with performing that we don't take the time that we need to recover after a traumatic, traumatic event or something that grieves us. I, was just, I just saw on Facebook a friend of mine, her son had a, a fever for five days and they took him to the deck and then they rushed him down to the IWK and all this, and, and, and she was just saying a face, how thankful she was for the doctors and everything. And that it was fantastic. I had to comment and say, please take time to recover from that. Because that took a toll on you. And too often parents are too eager or too needing to go on to the next thing that they don't take stock of the fact that their whole world was just about ripped from them. They need to take time to do that. So what does this all tell us? Solitude, taking time to abide with God, is crucial for our life of faith. And like Jesus, we are invited to practice this regularly. So the question is, how do we do it? And this might sound too simple, but the first thing is, you do it. Right? You take a time and you do it. Jesus did it in the morning, he did it at night, he did it overnight, he, he booked off big blocks of time to do it. The important thing is that you consider what time would work for you in the day and practice it. Um, this may be, uh, I can't do this, I'll be right up front, but it may be after you get the kids to bed at night. I'm too tired. When I get the kids to bed, I'm like, ah. That's not my best time to actually be attentive to Father. That's my leftovers. But is it in the morning after you wake up? 
One of the cool things that Richard Foster says is that when we practice solitude, what happens is that there are little solitudes that we might have missed otherwise. But if we have that disciplined time, then waiting in a traffic jam doesn't become an inconvenience. It becomes a gift to be with the Father. Seeing a sunset or a freshly fallen snow just becomes a little moment where you can just give thanks and recognize God's presence in it. The next thing, so find a time, find a place. Some people have a prayer room, and I am so jealous of them. (laughs) Wouldn't that be awesome? Beanbag chair, lava lamp. No, wait, that's a different kind of room. But you could get, you know, just a space dedicated for that. Other people have a prayer chair. I have a lazy boy for my prayer chair right now. It's not the best thing to pray in because sleep comes way too easy. Uh, For some of us who are just overcrowded in our homes, sometimes getting out of the house to a church that's unlocked or to the public library or just out in nature are wonderful places to practice solitude. And if failing all of that, you could act like Charles and John Wesley's mother who when she wanted time of solitude because she had no space and like seven or eight kids running around, she took her apron and threw it up over her head and that was her quiet time. When mama had her apron thrown up over her head, she was unavailable. She was praying with Abba. So those things, do what is needed to find that space to dedicate the time with God. When I was doing Ignatian spirituality, when I was going through the exercises, we were instructed to approach the chair from which we were going to do our meditation and bow to it. Not to the chair, but to the holy, sacred space in which I was about to encounter Jesus. Space matters. Have no agenda other than to commune with God. Bring a Bible and a journal in case you need it, but make it the time that is dedicated simply to shut every distraction off in order to attend to what God is calling you to do. We are children of God, beloved of God, and God desires that, that intimate communion with us. When Jesus taught us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, he doesn't say that we are to say, God of of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he doesn't say, Father of our Lord Jesus. He says, you are to pray, our Father. Jesus delighted in solitude with Father. And the other thing is is that he's so amazed and wondered at at the fact that we are included in that. And he, he desires that for us. So I have homework for you this week. You ready? Find a space, find a time, yes. But if you would, please consider reading Mark 6, 30 to 32. Mark 6, 30 to 32. There the disciples came back from a very busy ministry time and Jesus says, come away with me by yourselves. Here's that invitation for us. I think that's a wonderful place for us to begin. Come away. Remember, Jesus desires us all to experience the intimacy that he shared with the Father. Next week, we're going to look at how Jesus prayed in the moment. For now, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the example you gave and the means you gave for us to enjoy a healthy and whole relationship with our loving Father. We pray, Lord, that you would guide us and direct us 
and that we could accept your invitation to deeper intimacy with you. For we ask this in your name. Amen.